It's showtime, folks. Son now. Ali to the left. Son on a mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. We got a great show today. We're going to go over the Champions League matches that went down over the week, and then we're going to preview some of the upcoming domestic league matches all across Europe. Then we're going to bring in our new member of the Greenlight Network team, Dr. M. Sage, to do a review of the Queen's Gambit. So, an action-packed and loaded show for you. So, let's get in to the Champions League this week. So... Not really a whole lot of action this week. Um, Marseille, once again, disappointed uh, over Porto, and uh, they haven't scored a goal or gotten a win this whole Champions League. Um, So Marseille uh, pretty much ends their Champions League run with a dud, and uh, I look for them to sort of play out the rest uh, without playing a lot of their starters and uh, just focus on trying to get back into those Champions League spots in Syria. Liverpool and Atlanta. Liverpool, finally, that defense started to show cracks, and uh, Atlanta made them pay. Uh, went all the way to Liverpool, got a 2-0 win, and uh, really played well. Uh, they started. They didn't start poorly, which has plagued them uh, during this uh, little bad run they've had, and uh, got two goals uh, right next to each other in around the 60th minute. Illich finally uh, came to play, and maybe he's starting to round in a form, and maybe that uh, kick starts at Atlanta. Uh, back into the Syria mix because uh, they've played really poorly of late, and uh, this may be the game to reignite them and uh, get them started. Uh, Liverpool, uh, after sort of patching up uh, things over the weekend and finding a way to beat Leicester, uh, just came out a little flat here, and uh, maybe that's uh, just injuries coming to them. We'll see if they can uh, sort of regroup uh, during the Premier League uh, this week. Um, next up, Inter Milan, flat once again, and... Uh, Their Champions League is running short on time. They needed this win, especially with the way Gladbach has played in the Champions League. So uh, losing to Real Madrid, just a tough stomach here. Uh, Arturo Vidal, just a stupid, stupid red card. They already had gotten a sort of cheap penalty about seven minutes in. So it just, uh, I'd say goodbye to Inter Milan's uh, Champions League's uh, hopes here. Um, Bayern Munich uh, easily dispatched uh, Red Bull Salzburg 3-1. And uh, Atletico Madrid had a sort of 
boring nothing nothing draw with locomotive moscow that might come back to haunt them they're still a little bit in a tight race here but uh i think they'll pull out uh the Rens chelsea game was actually probably one of the best games of the champions league week uh this weekend Rens came in there and played really well and chelsea got a real late goal by Giroud to just edge this 2-1 uh this was probably the worst game i'd seen chelsea play uh since that 0-0 uh, fixture versus uh, Man United in the Premier League. But um, hats off to Wren, came in there, uh, challenged them, played well, and just got a little careless there at the back end and uh, cost themselves a 1-1 draw versus Chelsea, but uh, they played outplayed Chelsea uh, most of this game. Man United uh, fought back and uh, dominated Istanbul back Shair, so... Uh, off of their loss to them two weeks ago, they bounced back and uh, put a drubbing on them, which is how it should be. Same with Barcelona, dominated Kiev, not much to say there. PSG, RB Leipzig, one of the big games during the week of Champions League. PSG uh, got an early goal from uh, Neymar on the penalty kick and uh, sort of held on, and that's what they needed. They need to go on this run, and I don't think they can afford to lose any of these games. So RB Leipzig and Chelsea uh, with PSG. One of them's going to go out, and uh, we'll see who which one it is. Next up, we got uh, Dortmund versus Club Bruges. Dortmund once again just uh, put it on a pretty good 3-0, and uh, Dortmund continues to, if they can get out front on you early, uh, you're in trouble because once they get rolling, they roll. Juventus had an easy uh, win versus uh, Fenericos Vasos. I can't even contemplate having to say that but uh, easy win nonetheless 2-1 Olympiacos and Man City Man City got the win 1-0 Phil Foden goal in the 36th minute they continue to struggle to score but uh, their defense has played pretty well they're looking pretty solid in the back but uh, now all of a sudden it's Man City and their offense that just uh, can't find a way to get goals possess the ball uh, create semi-half chances, but uh, they need a striker. I don't know when Aguero is going to be back full the time, but they really, really need a striker, uh, and uh, it probably can't be soon enough to get Aguero back. Even as good as Jesus is, he's just not that uh, sort of out-and-out striker that they need. And Gladbach continued their great play in Champions League, dominating uh, Shakhtar Donetsk 4-0, and uh, that's the second time they've really drubbed them really well in Gladback just uh, continues to play real well. All right, let's go over some of the, of the fixtures this weekend uh, to be uh, on the lookout for. Brighton and Liverpool. Liverpool's a 167 favorite here. Uh, let's see uh, how this defense holds up versus a pretty good uh, Brighton team. Uh, they don't get the points, but uh, they can possess the ball. They can create chances. The problem is they don't always score those chances, and they tend to do one or two stupid things on the back end that give up goals. So uh, this should be an interesting fixture versus a weakened Liverpool side. Man City versus Burnley. I don't look for this to be too entertaining a fixture, especially with the way Man City has struggled to score. So uh should be interesting to see if they can find a way to get some goals on Burnley because uh, if you can't, they're in for their sit-back style and uh, maybe can uh, sort of poach one there at the end uh, on Man City counterattacking. So... I don't think this will be an entertaining fixture. I think Man City will definitely come out strong and uh, be able to put out Burnley. Probably the most entertaining game of the weekend 
Everton and Leeds should be a real, real entertaining matchup with some great offensive minds. Uh, and uh, I definitely sit down and watch this one. I, I think Everton will pull it out, but uh, we'll see if they uh, can find some sort of cohesive defensive unit because um, that's really been their problem so far this uh, season is finding defense. A fun one uh, on Sunday, Southampton and Manchester United should be a great fixture. We'll see if the Southampton can maintain their good form they had going into the international break. They had a tough matchup last week, but we'll see if they can recover and uh, battle Manchester United this week. Uh, Chelsea versus Tottenham, probably the headliner of the week, though I don't know if it'll be the entertaining game. I, I'm assuming... Mourinho goes back into his uh, sit-back-and-try-to-counter mode, especially versus Chelsea, who's shown tendencies to break down to that style in the past. Uh, though their defense has been better of late, we'll see if they can hold on versus a torrid front line of Tottenham. Really entertaining game. Uh, this one definitely is the main event on Sunday to watch. And Arsenal-Wolves should be pretty entertaining with the uh, affliction to goal scoring that Arsenal's had uh, can they uh, find a way to get some goals versus this uh, really tight uh, Wolves defense? And uh, do they get countered? And uh, does do Wolves find a way to get a goal here and uh, get the three points versus Arsenal, who's struggled uh, as of late? On Monday, we got Leicester and Fulham, sort of a ho-hum game. And uh, West Ham-Aston Villa, not too much on Monday. Uh, the West Ham-Aston Villa game could be pretty entertaining. We'll see if Aston Villa can keep up uh, their uh, strong start to the Premier League. Moving on to La Liga, we got Valencia and Atletico Madrid. Should be a really entertaining game. We'll see if Atletico Madrid can keep the foot on the gas and uh, continue to push and uh, try to take this La Liga title with Real Madrid and Barcelona, both struggling in La Liga. Uh, Valencia has played pretty solid football. Uh, they should have gotten the win uh, last week versus Real Madrid. We'll see if they can continue their uh, good play versus Atletico Madrid. Real Madrid, Real Madrid. meanwhile, goes to uh, Loli Olivis. I don't see much of a matchup here, even with a sort of muted uh, squad for Real Madrid. I, I look for them to cruise and uh, carry this uh, match pretty easy. Barcelona goes to Osasuna. I think uh, Barcelona will be able to play pretty well here at home and uh, dominate this fixture even though they have been really poor in La Liga. If they can't uh, dominate this fixture, there really is something wrong, though. They continue their strong Champions League form. So we'll, we'll see really which Barcelona comes and shows up here. Real Sociedad plays Villarreal, which should be a really entertaining matchup. We'll see Real Sociedad maintain their points lead on top of the La Liga tail with a tough Villarreal team, but... Uh, so far from what I've seen, I think Real Sociedad should be able to hold on and uh, take this one. And Monday, I don't know if it's a great fixture, but it'll be an entertaining one to watch. Real Betis versus Ibar. Uh, I think that'll be a fun one to watch. So uh, if you're just looking for some entertainment on Monday, Real Betis, Ibar, definitely something to watch. So what do we got in Syria? We got some nice matchups in Syria. Let's start out with the big one on Saturday. Says Sulo versus Inter. I think this will be a great matchup. Where do I favor? I think Sassuolo can uh, take Inter here. I think Inter will be a little down off their Champions League matchup. So I'm looking for Sassuolo to come out and uh, put it to uh, Inter Milan here a little bit. Uh, I 
I just haven't liked the way Inter's looked. I haven't liked their cohesion the last couple of weeks. So that plus 340 sitting there for Sassuolo, I, I, I'd look at it and uh, maybe uh, try to grab it a little bit. Benvenido plays Juventus. I don't see much of a matchup here. I, Juventus should cruise. At Atlanta, at Atlanta plays Verona. We'll see if they can um, bounce back and get back to form. This should be the type of game that they um, light up the scoreboard. And I think they will. So uh, at Atlanta, minus 286 seems like a decent uh, play. If you're looking for something, I play the over goals for at Atlanta uh, this weekend. I think they'll light uh, Verona up. Laszlo and Udizi uh, uh, on Sunday uh, should be an interesting matchup. See how Laszlo bounces back uh, playing uh, the Champions League this weekend. And then uh, Milan versus Florentina really should be a good matchup. And uh, Napoli versus Roma. I'm, I'm a... Curious to see how Napoli comes out with the uh, sad death of Diego Maradona. We'll see if they come out, play for Diego, and uh, get a big win versus Roma here. That should be a good matchup that could determine uh, Champions League spots in Serie A. So a really nice slate in Italy this weekend. What do we got in Bundesliga this weekend? Well, we missed one hell of an entertaining game in Wolfsburg and Water Bremen. This was going on as we were recording this, but uh, fun game, entertaining game. Wolfsburg already comes out on top 5-3 there. So, Dortmund, FC Cologne. I look for Dortmund to really dominate that game uh, and continue their hot streak versus uh, sort of lower-tier lower opponents. They seem to like that, and once they get rolling, they roll. RB Leipzig plays Armenia. I think RB Leipzig finally will come back a little to form here. They've struggled the last week or so, uh, especially in that PSG game. They just couldn't find a goal. And uh, look for RB Leipzig to cruise. Bayern Munich versus Stuttgart. Once again, I don't know if that's much of a game there. But uh, maybe Byron's a little tired from having to play so many matchups. Uh, one I'm looking forward to, Union Berlin, Einert Frankfurt. That should be one hell of a game, the way Union Berlin has played. We'll see if they can keep themselves in contention of top four spots in the Bundesliga. Really like the way Union Berlin has uh, played. Uh, Gladbach plays Schalke. Uh, one point in time, this would have been a real good matchup. But with the way Schalke's played, I just don't... See how this will be much of an entertaining game, other than if you like watching Gladbach score a lot of goals. Another good one, though Hertha Berlin has not played good football uh, pretty much this whole season. Leverkusen versus uh, Hertha Berlin should be a really good matchup. And uh, last but not least, uh, PSG plays Bordeaux. I don't see much of a challenge there, but... um, We'll see what they throw out there after a Champions League uh, spot coming up again next week with a big game that they will need to win uh, because uh, they need to run the table in Champions League. We'll see how focused they are for the Bordeaux game. All right, that's our European wrap-up. We'll head to our new member for the Greenlight Network, Dr. M. Sage. All right, we're here with our new episodic show reviewer and critic, Dr. M. Sage. Welcome to the Greenlight Network and welcome to the Know It All podcast. How are we today? I'm fine. Thank you, champ. Are you ready to uh, review the Queen's Gambit with me? I am ready to review the Queen's Gambit with you. So, 
Netflix show. Uh, I saw the trailer a couple weeks ago and got kind of excited because I liked the trailer and I watched the show and was pretty entertained by it. How about yourself? I thought this show was excellent. I thought it was really well done. I mean, the big question is, can you take a subject that is inherently boring to watch and make it into a good show? And it turns out you can do that. You definitely can. Uh, I think it helps if you have her go on a bender every uh, third episode or so. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the show is definitely not just about chess. All right, so let's get into the facts and figures. This was a book that was adapted into a show from Netflix. So did you know yes. anything about the book before the show came out? No, I did not. I had not read it. It's a 1983 novel by Walter Tevis. And uh, fortunately, Netflix chose some experienced screenwriters to work on this show. Uh, Scott Frank and Alan Scott, and they did an excellent job writing. The, um, the character Beth Harmon, our, our uh, heroine here, is complex and believable. And I thought that, um, uh, well, you know, you can't have a good show unless you have good writing. And this show had good writing. Yeah, I thought the uh, dialogue of this show was uh, excellent. It really sort of kept it moving, especially during some of the episodes that uh, I thought dragged a little bit, uh, you know, just because the length of them. And the, so uh, the writing at least kept it poppy and uh, not too much of a drag when you're watching sort of slow parts of the uh, episodes uh especially that first episode i thought uh dragged uh a real long time uh, you know getting all our backstory in there i actually thought they did a pretty good job um on the first episode it made me want to watch the second i, I sometimes when you watch a pilot or you watch a first episode you think uh, do I really want to go on with this? At the end of that one, I said, yes, I want to see episode two. I want to see where this story is going. But I can understand some hesitation at uh, thinking that maybe it's going to move a little slow. By the time I got to the second episode, though, the action sped up and you knew that the story was actually going to go somewhere. Yeah, uh, I thought once, uh, you know, they sort of, it was more just the backstory and so much of it, I thought it they could at least, you know, cut the show down by an episode or two just by, you know, sort of speeding that up a little bit as, you know, they're showing classroom scenes and stuff like that. I was like, okay, you know, let's just get to her playing chess with the janitor. And then, uh, but once it got into it and uh, she got into that first uh, sort of chess tournament, the show really picked up and uh, that's where uh, I really got into it. Yeah, I agree. Um and they ran the chess tournaments more as a sporting event, which is what enabled people to get more interested in this show. I know it's been a very popular show, and you don't watch a chess tournament and feel like you're really getting into it, but they made it exciting, and they made it, I think they made it seem like a sporting event, which you know generally doesn't happen around here too much. Yeah, definitely. All right, so what do you think of Anya Taylor-Joy as the uh, lead actress in this? Did you uh, like her performance? Uh, what did you make of it? Anya Taylor-Joy did a fantastic job. Uh, she has very expressive eyes. That really helps because it's not like there's a lot of action. There's a lot of sitting uh, unless she's on a bender. And I thought that she did a good job. Um, she has a perfect 
deadpan in this. You 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 understand she's an eccentric character. Um, you know, maybe on the autism scale somewhere, it's quite possible. But she's she's an oddball, and yet you like her. And I thought that is really good acting uh, on her part. Plus, she looked beautiful in the period clothes. Fashion plays a big part into this. Yeah, we were going to get to that one for sure because I thought. Yeah, the, I figured that would come up later. I thought the costuming was really excellent and really towards you know the back end once she sort of found her style. Uh, the costuming of uh, the late '60s sort of wear was uh, just excellent. It was. It was really good, and her ascension into chess and her ascension into fashion follow a similar arc throughout the show, which I thought actually was a good parallel. Um, I think that the actress brought something to the character uh, in terms of, I've been reading a little bit about the uh, a boy these actors trained to do the chess scenes because they did them very authentically, very well. They had to memorize a lot of chess moves in order to play those scenes. And I was impressed by that. She has said that she used her background in dance to help her with the chess movements. And um, I watched this show sitting next to someone who had once been a ranked chess player. And he told me, um, this is very authentic in that people move the chess pieces in a particular way, depending on who you are. And she, if you notice, would kind of flip her chess pieces and finesse them off the board. And she did that on her own. And she said she did that be, as a dancer thinking, how would I move a chess piece if, if I were sort of dancing with it? And I thought that was very clever. And um, the other actors did the same thing. Yeah. I thought she uh, really played this part. Uh, great. Uh, big year for her. She was in the remake of Emma, which uh, mm -hmm. was sort of okay. But uh, with that and this, and uh, technically she was in New Mutants, but that was filmed like three years ago, and that's an awful movie. But uh, nonetheless, big year for her, three big things coming out. And uh, I thought this was easily the best thing I'd seen her done. She played that stoic uh, sort of look just wonderfully in the movie, or movie TV show. And then uh, just... Uh, then when she had to go big, when she was on one of her little, you know, benders, it was just, uh, you sort of got even more expressiveness out of it, more sort of her physical style than uh, just her sort of stoic look with her eyes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she played the the sort of sex kitten, but a strong sex kitten, if one can say that. I mean, she was very sexual in her performance. And that was something they brought out right in the first episode. She was always sort of this sort of interested in sex, but later on becomes pretty fairly promiscuous, no consequences, kind of impressive for the writers to write that way. Um, but, you know, I thought that I thought all in all, her performance, very solid. I, I can't say that I didn't think any of the performances were solid. I really did think that everyone in the show was pretty solid. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I really thought everybody in this cast was really, really pretty solid. The only one I sort of had, uh, I didn't love, was her sort of uh, American chest uh, compatriot. I, I I don't know if it, it was just sort of his look. Uh he might have just been too thin for my liking, you know. Oh, Benny Watts? Yeah. I sort Thomas of wanted Brody, him a... Thomas uh, Yeah. I sort of wanted him a little more schlubby and out of shape, and uh, we got sort of just a thin, wiry 
kid who looked too young to play the part. So that was the only one uh, I really didn't love. I thought he played it all right. It, it was just more the look that uh, I was like, yeah, this guy's a, you know, chess grandmaster. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I totally buy that. The actor is a very young looking 30 year old man. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, I think he was trying to play himself as sort of this cowboy rogue chess player. And it came off pretty well. I think that Benny's best scenes were in his New York apartment where you realize that he hasn't played the game as well as she has in terms of earning money. She made a living for herself. He barely made a living for himself. But I think he was trying to be this sort of rogue chess cowboy pirate kind of guy. And that I, I thought was pretty believable. People would couldn't really understand who he was. And I thought that came out pretty well in the movie. Or in the series, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't make it into a movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. I, I think It would have need... been a terrible movie. Yeah, I don't think you could have uh, gotten the uh, sort of full arc of her sort of beginning chess stages into the sort of finale episode where she beats the Russian Grandmaster and sort of comes full circle and no longer supposedly needs the drugs and the alcohol to, you know, see her, you know, chess boards on the ceiling, though... Uh, I think if we fast forward this in the future, uh, she might have another relapse or two in her. Yeah, I think so. Um, we'll get to this at the end, but I have a theory what if they're going to do a season two, what might happen? So, but we'll oh. do that at the end of the at the end of the review. <laughs> I thought that Harry Melling, who played Harry Beltic, was very believable. He's sort of the nerdy-looking guy. He looks like a chess guy, and you realize that he's not even close to her level and the scene where they sleep together and he asks her, do you want me to stay? What do you want me to do? And she's like, well, you can do whatever you want. You just got the sense that, okay, Harry's in way over his head with Beth. Yeah. Uh, his performance I loved. And I, I thought he had the sort of perfect look for, uh, you know, the sort of nerdy chess guy who, you know, plays chess is good at chess amongst his friends and, you know, within a local to, you know, statewide thing. But then uh, once he dips his toe into the water of, you know, the real chess guys, he's sort of out of his depth. But uh, I thought his part, he played uh, really great. And, uh, you know, towards the end there, I, I just really liked how he sort of played the sad sack when he, you know, came back to try to, you know, help her out when she was really uh, starting to cycle downhill. So, uh I really enjoyed the way he played his part. Yeah, he he's kind of pathetic. And it perfect look, you know, that's exactly the actor you want for that kind of a part. Yeah. I uh, the other guy I thought uh he wasn't in it. He was only in uh about one and a half episodes, but I thought the janitor really was good uh playing his role, especially early uh that's sort of what kept me attached. To it, Mr. Mr. Shable. Yeah, Mr. Shable, and then uh, he, you don't see him at the uh when she goes into the thing because he's passed away. But uh, when she goes into the basement and finds the photos, I thought that was just a a really good scene too. It was. He kept up with her, and she realized. I think ultimately, this show is about family. 
and she has no family, but she finds out by the end after she's sort of spiraled out of control and her friend comes back and sort of saves her. This is sort of your end of your third act here. When you, when you talk about an, um, a series, a long form series like this, and you divide it up into three, four acts, you realize that somewhere around the fifth to sixth episode, you're going to have to have a hero come in and save the day when you, when our um, protagonist has hit her lowest point. And that of course is Jolene, who is the person who also looked out for her when she first came to the orphanage. And when she comes and tells her that Mr. Shable died and, and they go back to the orphanage and you see Beth finding those photos, you realize she really did have family at the orphanage. She wasn't all alone. Yeah. Uh, I, once I, she was so, uh, in part of the first uh, episode that uh, I figured she'd somehow make her way back. I didn't know they'd wait till the very end, but uh, just a really good part uh, as she pops back and sort of guides her back uh, to the road of, you know, sobriety and uh, to great chess playing and uh, gives her that motivation to get to Moscow and uh, beat a bunch of the uh, Russian chess champions. Yeah. Uh, it's it's Jolene who is the real hero of the story. She's she's not the protagonist. She's kind of a bystander, but she comes in and becomes the hero. And then you also find out that Jolene's had a had a pretty good life too. She's going to become a lawyer. She's gone to school. So you know it's not. She's playing another lawyer who for a car and a nice apartment. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But hey, you know it's the sixties. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I was perfectly fine with it. I was just sort of jealous of the car, I think, more than anything. She did have an awesome car. <laughs> I think what this show uh, was missing, um, and it's not a documentary, and so I, I like the fact it was missing this, is there is, a, there is a little bit of a lapse of realism in that these women – aren't really discriminated against as much as one would expect. Well, I Beth, was going Beth to Harmon definitely touch on that. I was like, everybody's quite nice to her. I mean, yeah. even the ones that aren't nice to her, like when she walks in there and, I mean, end up being nice to her and just take her paper. And I was like, you know, I think she probably would have been turned away and sent back home. I think it would have been a little bit rougher road, no matter how good she uh, really was. Exactly. This is this is a, a statement of all it takes is talent to get ahead. Well, this is when you have to suspend your belief in order to enjoy a series because and they set it up well. When she first goes down to the basement and Mr. Scheibel's sitting down there, you get this sense of dread and you're thinking, oh, man, what's he going to do to her? Well, he teaches her to play chess. So it's like, oh, OK, relief. That's good. She gets herself into situations where she's the only person in the room with a man, and yet everything is fine. And so you sort of have to suspend your belief system and realize, okay, in real life, this wouldn't have been happening. But it makes the story more enjoyable because it, it makes you think, wow, it, all you need is just raw talent. And, ref, and then you refine that talent and you can become the grandmaster of chess. Yeah, definitely. All right. So I wanted to get into the costumes a little bit. I just thought uh, that the visual of the way the uh, style and outfits uh, went through this show was 
really what uh, kept me engaged is, you know, she had a different little fun 60s dress in almost every uh, new chess tournament and uh, just really enjoyed uh, all the style that uh, this show brought to it. And I thought it, you know, sort of elevated it and gave it a little more life and kept you a little more engaged, uh, certainly during uh, some of the chess scenes and stuff. Absolutely. Uh, the the style was fantastic. Uh, I thought the set direction and the um, the fashion were, were really spot on. When she's first brought home to the Wheatley's home and the way it's decorated and it's just like, oh my gosh, it's sensory overload pretty much. And then when the home is hers and she rips all of the drapery and everything down, you're like, okay, it's going into the modern era. Uh, of course, Anya Taylor-Joy wears clothes very well. So she looked, she looked beautiful with the flaming red hair and everything. She just looked fantastic throughout the show. Um, it made the chess sequences even more enjoyable because you realized that she was bringing a, a real style. And they sort of addressed it. I mean, she was envious of the model. Um, she wanted to be fashionable. It wasn't just an accident. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, really impressed by that. Uh, I just wanted, uh, we didn't touch on the mom, the, not the dead mom, uh-huh. the, the adoptive mother, uh, who the comes adopt- in. Well, both ended up, well, should I give it away? Both yeah. ended up dying, of course, in the movie. Yes. Uh, but I really, uh, I liked her role as she came in there as this sort of sad sack, uh, you know, Walton's mom when she first walks into the, uh, you know, orphanage and then, you know, as it, grows more and more you sort of see what a sort of sad case she is but uh as she her and the uh, daughter bond once the father leaves I, I just uh i thought she was really enjoyable in this as well uh even though she was a a tad bit of a drinker <laughs> well so is so is beth man they can put the alcohol away let's just say that right up front i was impressed by the amount of drinking that they had them do in that show. Um, I thought the mom was fantastic. She was, she was also very believable. Um, they wrote her character as you thought she was going to be one thing. And she kind of turns out to be much more hip than you think she's going to be. Um, it was a very, uh, her story is sad. Yeah, um, most definitely. Yeah. Unrequited love, um, loss of a child, um, She's a talented pianist, but never took it anywhere. But she's also addicted to pills. She drinks, and she's a little pathetic, but she kind of comes out of that. I mean, she's – and she totally accepted Beth for being a chess player and pushed her to go as far as she could, which I thought was – unexpected when it first started happening. I thought she's going to, I thought Beth is going to meet resistance with this new mom that has just taken her in, but no, she went along with it. And that was kind of fun. Yeah. I thought that character was uh, just perfect coming uh, sort of full circle. Now, uh, I think the first time I saw her cough, I was like, Oh, she's going to die. So uh, I don't know if they hid <laughs> yes. that too well. Cause I heard the weird, uh, you know, cough and I'm like, Oh, she's dying for sure. But uh, really enjoyed uh, her character and how it sort of came full circle from uh, what you saw from the orphanage until uh, she sadly sort of dies there at the end. Yeah. She, um, yeah, there's a lot of foreshadowing there with the cough. You, you know, immediately, Oh, this, this can't be good. 
Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll touch on the last sort of couple episodes when she finally gets into the Moscow tournament. Now, this is sort of where I uh, lost a little... You have to sort of disassociate, but uh, this had a very Rocky Four sort of vibe where she comes in there and no one likes her. And then by the end, she has such a fan base outside the thing that I'm like, yeah, 1960s USSR. Uh, I don't know if they're quite turning in, up for her and uh, giving her quite the cheers and uh, love and affection that uh, they sort of made it go through when she was there. I thought actually that that was believable. The The story is a little bit similar to Bobby Fischer and these chess champions in, um, in the USSR are revered. I mean, they're rock stars and she became a rock star because she became a chess champ. Uh, I, I think that it, I didn't have as much trouble with that as you might have had. Uh, I found it kind of believable just because I know the chess champions are pretty revered there. And for her to be beating their champ means that she's something special. I don't know. I felt like uh, someone in the communist (laughs) government might have poisoned her or something before she made it to that final. But uh, anyway, I I just, it felt Rocky Four where they're all cheering Drago and then by round eight, everyone's chanting (laughs) Rocky. And I'm like, well... I don't know quite if uh, they're going to go full bore in this. Uh, I certainly don't know if the the USSR government would have been uh, quite so happy about that and probably would have arrested everyone who was out there cheering for her. So. They might not have been happy about it, but I have a theory. Season two, maybe Beth turns things on their head and she's the one who defects to Russia, to the USSR, because she's so revered there. And she goes back to the United States. She's nobody. So yeah. it could be. And that's what happened to Bobby Fischer. He stayed in the USSR for quite a while. Or Actually, he came back and became a hermit. He wished he could stay in the USSR. So there could be this whole season revolving around her. Then, of course, you know, maybe Jolene can come to the USSR and save her and bring her back to Kentucky. But <laughs> Oh, that's quite a season two you have coming. Go- I did <laughs> I did admit I did like the uh, sort of last scene where she just goes out and plays chess in the uh, sort of fields. And uh, you sort of see her uh, finally content and happy playing with a bunch of old crusty men in the field playing chess. Exactly. Sort of like- Sort of like the uh, start of the episode, start of episode one, where she's you know playing with the janitor. Yeah, exactly. And you can read that two different ways. You can read that as her going back to the simple life again, because you could see throughout the series that she questions what things are going to be like in like in the future. Once you've won it all, what do you do? And you see this happen to athletes. You see this happen um, to Olympic athletes a lot. They don't know what to do once they have won the gold. And so maybe she just goes back and plays in the park. Or maybe she and, – and, but the, the thing that made me think that, well, maybe she would defect is all those crusty old men who sh- knew who she was. She's the champion. And they had the newspapers with her picture in it and everything. And so maybe she likes the accolades. Hard to tell. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we'll get to our rating for this series. What did you give it on a scale of one to five here? 
I give it um, a good solid four and a half. It's a binger. Oh, you went real high on the binger. I went a little above watchable, and I went like 3.8. We're going to start using decimals here. So 3.8? Uh, 3.8. So what keeps it from being a four for you, champ? Uh, I think just uh, chess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 well, yeah. Okay. I no. have to say, I've never played chess before. No, I, I think... Uh, Probably uh, the one thing I just, I thought it might have been an episode uh, too long. You know, I think five episodes. I would have, you know, mm, just watched this all out in one, you know, sequence one night. And uh, that was probably the only thing. I, I thought there were just some dead parts that could have been cut and we could have trimmed it into a little bit quicker series. But, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people like the, you know, sort of longer seven to ten. So I don't mind it. I just cut a couple scenes out and we can clip that thing down to five. You are harsh, champ. You are harsh. Now, I think this is a good solid four and a half, frankly. Um, I don't find a lot of Netflix series that I rank as high as this one. I thought the writing was good. I thought the acting was good. Um, the set design was good. And I couldn't wait to watch the next episode. So, yeah. Yeah, I no, I, I will definitely say this was probably the best Netflix original we, we I've seen in, you know, probably going back to when they first really started dropping originals. Uh, this was definitely one of the newest ones that I've actually liked and enjoyed and uh, sort of watched it in a couple days. So uh, I will give it that, but not quite into, you know, perfect four or five sort of binge range. 3.8 right there on the cusp. Right on the cusp of being excellent. All right. All right. So uh, that's our show. Next week, uh, you're going to come in, and we're going to review another Netflix, Netflix original, probably one that might not get quite as high a rating as this one, uh, judging from what I've seen from your text, Emily in Paris. So uh, be prepared oh. for that one next week get on ready, the Know It All podcast. All right. That's our show and we're out.